let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Hey, uh, before we get into today's conversation, I have a favor to ask. CityCast, this podcast, is surveying our listeners to help make CityCast a better, more useful podcast for you. Please, please go to citycast.fm slash survey to take the survey. It's only five minutes long. We timed it. That's citycast.fm slash survey. And when you take the survey, you will also be eligible to win a $250 Visa gift card. Citycast.fm slash survey. Today on CityCast DC, CityCast's Julia Karen and Kayla Cote-Stemmerman are here with me, and we are talking crime on the Metro. We're talking more drama around the name of our football team. And now that it's summer, we're going to break down some places to swim. Today is Friday, June 2nd. I am Michael Schaefer, and this is what DC is talking about. Happy Friday, you guys. Same to you. We are actually going to be having a happy Saturday hanging out together tomorrow, yes? Yes. Yeah. Um, It is a chat that we're doing, a live taping at the right proper Brookland location. We're talking with the head of the D.C. Brewers Guild about D.C.'s craft brew scene. That is tomorrow, Saturday, June 3rd at 1. Come, drink, chat, meet the team. Yeah, we can't wait to meet you guys. Yeah. If you like beer and you like CityCast D.C., it's a no-brainer. Come hang with us. Even if you just like beer. Even if you just like yeah. beer. Or only if you just like CityCast. I mean, you could drink your beer and hang out in the corner and not listen to us. That's true. We might mock you. <laughs> um, and take the Metro there. Or maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. So what is going on on the Metro is there's been a lot of high-profile crimes that have gone on. There was recently a shooting at the waterfront station. A 17-year-old boy was killed. And basically, they had tried to alleviate this months ago. There were going to be police that were coordinated at five different metro sites. But if you look at the stats that WMATA keeps, crime is higher than it was at this point last year. Currently, the number of incidents include uh, its buses, trains, parking lots. Uh, Robberies are up 156%. Larcenies had doubled. Aggravated assaults had increased by 35%. And one of the trends that I noticed, if you actually look at Metro's data, is a lot of this is happening on buses. Buses Mm. appear to be, like, the main, I guess, core location for where a lot of this crime is happening. I think a lot of the headlines get surrounded in the, it's near a train station and that's why you should stay away. But buses were the highest, which I thought was interesting. Well, I mean, wait a sec. Is is we know that crime is up in the city, and we know yes. this is a thing that a lot of people are alarmed about, agitated about. It 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 uh, in politics and society, it brings out some pretty ugly behaviors. This is what human beings do when we're nervous. Is there uh, a sense that like it's going up 
like more on the bus than on the street next to the bus, which is just to say, is it is that just a subset of a, a broader citywide thing? So if you look at the actual data, it breaks down offenses by location for like bus versus like the actual bus stop, like the surrounding in the area where there's the covering and the awning. As of May 5th, 2023, that's the most recent stats that we've got. On the actual bus, uh, year to date, there were 268 offenses committed on a bus, mm-hmm. whereas compared to the actual stop, there were only 25. So it appears that like the actual bus and not like the awning and setting around it was the thing. Randy Clark. That's the head of Metro. It is the head of Metro. He had said that he was worried about crime, particularly for like fare evasion. That was his big kind of golden goose that he wanted to go after. One thing that he noted was that Metro ridership is at the highest it's been since the pandemic started. So you have these two kind of things that are coming together of you've got more people on the Metro than ever. And you also have more crime happening on the Metro. And I wonder how related those two things are. Are these crimes, are they mostly, are they like robberies? Are they assaults? Are like, what? what's going on? Like, why is this, what's the purpose? So per Metro's data, fare evasion is like the highest crime. And that is factored into the overall crime stats. Yes. Fare evasion is factored into the overall crime stats, considered a crime. Oh, so who's counting that? Like, really? Like, how? Like, who's counting that? Well, Mata is counting it. <laughs> like, isn't the whole point that they evaded them? Like, the, the Metro Transit Police are coordinating with, with WMATA to count these stats. Uh, so, fare evasion leads the pack. And then simple assault is the second thing. That's number two, hmm. uh, which is not great. There's destruction and vandalism. This all other offenses category is the next one on the list, but I don't know what all other offenses translates to. All right. So so what I'm hearing, though, is, um, you know, you had mentioned robberies before. The crimes that you as a innocent bystander are possibly the victim of are not in the top line there. Vandalism, you know, we're all the victim of it. Right. Uh, fair evasion, we're all the victim of it. But this is not someone punching you in the face and taking your wallet. That is also happening. The Post had a big story about it this week. The city police have been pulled in to patrol some of the uh, metro stations. Um, This has not had any effect. The rate of crime in metro continues to rise. Is there a theory of of the case there? I mean, the places where they set those police officers were Metro Center, Gallery Place, Chinatown, Union Station, Georgia F. Petworth, and Congress Heights. But if you... Look at where some of these things have been committed. Like the most recent shooting was at Waterfront and like there's no cops there. So I think the question then becomes, does that mean we have cops at every metro station now? Does that mean that we have cops on like every bus? You know, like I think it's complicated. Well, so the, the old fashioned like broken windows theory here would be, look, we have had and I'm sure you guys have noticed it. I notice it. Uh, the number of people who just sort of step right over the fare gate. Mm-hmm. You know, you just see that and it's it's kind of a thing and, and like, why should I pay and so on, that this creates an atmosphere of rules don't really apply. And for someone who's into doing bad stuff, that might give give them a feeling of permissions for someone who is just nervous and, and might, you know, it might affect their decisions about what transit to take. You're thinking like if somebody feels free to disregard the rules about paying they might also feel free to disregard the rules against mugging. Apparently. Well, that was one of the theories against the fare evaders, right? That was one of the big theories that why we have to stop fare evaders is because if they're 
fair-evading, then inevitably later on they're going to be doing right. crime in the metro. Right. And I'm trying to say something a little more like I'm not sure about that connection, but I do think it creates a vibe of like, well, this is a little bit of a lawless place. I don't feel comfortable here. So these police who are patrolling stations, are they arresting fair evaders? I know that the district has changed its rules, so it's not a criminal offense. It's a, you get a ticket. Right. So I think because it's also you just get fined, there's no like cop that shows up necessarily and says, hey, like, stop doing that. Like, I've seen fair evaders jump over the thing. The guy's sitting in the middle booth, the little manager, just like looks and then just looks just the other way them. and yeah. nothing happens. Right. So I think if that's the case for at least fair evaders, I think the question for MPD is, OK, when something violent does happen, you know, do they really step in and do they solve the problem? And I don't know the answer to that question. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree. That's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. Anyway, the uh, the football team. Remember them? Who? They were. Uh, they had a, a a name that we now uh, understand to be racist. Um, that maybe we should have then understood to be racist for most of my childhood. Uh, they switched a couple years ago to the Washington football team, and then with great fanfare, late in the Dan Snyder era, they announced their new name, the Washington Commanders, and that name was, I think, we can all say, like not especially popular. People who were glad that they got rid of the racist name and people who are not glad that they got rid of the racist name, uh, none of them seem to particularly like commanders. It kind of connotes like the worst thing about Washington. Like it's <laughs> like not, you know, like senators or you know, something that's that, that in theory is honorable. It's just like people who boss you around. Anyway, so there's some hopes and dreams that maybe, maybe um, the new ownership will uh, change the name again, um, which is a pretty expensive prospect. But now it looks like maybe there's like a practical reason why they might, which is that 
the the new name has run into at least some amount of like trademark hassle. There's a long process with the U.S. Patent Office where you you to trademark names, and it usually for anything it has some reversals and so on. But mm-hmm. like they have not yet secured it. Uh, there's a guy who has owned it. He says he wants to. He's kind of a dude who squats on a lot of brand names. It seems uh, he says he's happy to give it in exchange for like donations to Native American college charities. But uh, there's some concern about will this confuse customers with some with like a annual football game that takes place in the between Army and Air Force? Will it do other? Uh, the team says, and I think they're telling the truth that this is this is all sort of to be expected. It's kind of bumps uh, along the inevitable. Patent process. We also know that, like in the Snyder era, there's been a sense that sort of anything that can go wrong is probably going to go wrong, and and so on. <laughs> but is it a chance for the new crew, should they finally get approved, to uh, change the name? Which means that we get to go back to a favorite city cast subject, oh which is what should the name be? Uh, <laughs> ooh, so I am of two minds on this. Part of me wants them to just be called the Washington football team, just because like, I feel for the owners, it's easier. You've already made the merch, right? Your merch sales, you can just go back. It's all good. Commanders looks like a retro jersey now. So does the aforementioned racist name, but Washington football team sticks. Also, who is going to go to the US patent office or whatever it is, copyright office and be like, you know what? This is infringing. This is bad. Who is going to do that for Washington football team? Well, that that patent, weirdly, because these things take time, that actually just came through this month. So, like, part of me thinks, you know what, this is the way to go. I don't know. I think, like, financially for a football team, the if you're really just looking to maximize merch sales, you change the name every year or every month because then people have to buy new shirts. That's true. I saw this uh, letter to the editor from a guy named John Graham from Potomac, and he had said, because of the trademark snag, what the football team should do is actually change their name to the Washington Red Tails, which is what he says it should have been all along. For people who don't know, the Red Tails honor the Black Tuskegee Airmen. It would be an increased attention to the pilots who overcame U.S. Army Air Force's segregation. They got awarded two presidential unit citations. And it's an echo of the old name. Right. It's an echo of the old name. You wouldn't have to change the lyrics to hail to the redacted name as much. And also, when they were originally choosing commanders, one of the things that head coach Ron Rivera said is that they had wanted a name that referenced the military in some way. And so this would honor the military in a way that might not be as obvious to some. It's a little kind of under the radar. But in this instance, it would be something that maybe everyone could get behind. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, I know I know very little about football um, or sports. <laughs> this does not require football knowledge. No, 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 no. It's it's all marketing. <laughs> That's fair. That's it's all, it's all good. Um, but we did get a lot of recommendations from readers from our Hey DC newsletter. We asked, you know, what should they be named? And people reached out and the Senators was very popular. Washington football mm. team. Washington Hawks, the Washington Americans. Any of those hit home for you guys? Do you like any of those? So I think like the best name for a team is sort of a, it can only be that city. Like the Baltimore Ravens. What an Mm. awesome name, right? It's literary. It's got Poe in there. Literally the Raven mascots that they run around the field are Edgar Allen and Poe. That is pretty cool. It's a kind of a cool animal. It's not, you know, it's like sufficiently fierce. Um, 
And most of the kind of typically Washington things are kind of lame, like capitals. What the hell does so that mean? Lame. Like, are it's the like, like there's a building hate, here yeah, called the Capitol, or this is the this is the capital of the country. We get it. Like senators, again, not these days, not a particularly admired um, class of people, but also not a like not a class of people known for their athletic not prowess. At all. You no. know, like oh, like I wouldn't <laughs> want to face a bunch of senators. Right. And then and then the the, the military stuff, uh, which I get. You know, if you look at the where their fans are distributed, it's more Virginia, it's mm-hmm. heavily you know a lot of military uh, based here. It, for me, it always makes me think of the Washington generals, which is. In the world of trick basketball, the Harlem Globetrotters face this like inept team that they always beat called the the Generals, and that's Washington for you. Um, so, you know, I don't. I think the capital city Go Go is like the coolest name uh, of any local team. What a sick name, dude! What would that mascot look like? Well, so the the O's on the Go Go insignia are like bongo drums. That's pretty cool. But if not that, if you can't find something local, I think. Like, that's where I think, like, mystics and wizards is cool. Like, they're just because they were like, we give up. We're not going to try. We're not going to try anything geographic. We'll just think of something, something we think is cool. I'm trying to think of, like, is there another? Like, I don't know. To me, it would be, like, the the Washington bottomless brunches. The the Washington, Ew. like, cicada noise every 16 years. The cicadas. <laughs> like, and, and that sounds, like, very far-fetched, et cetera. I don't want to wear that costume. The Washington Metro Faravators. You know, come on. Who, who's to say that could not be? It's becoming a classic. It could be a classic. Well, you could also do like a, I guess Heat is already taken. Yes. Uh, by the Miami uh, basketball team. But like something evoking the humidity and sweat of summer. The swampiness. The swamp, yeah. Which brings us to uh, our third topic. Kayla, who's our maven of things to do, uh, is here to talk about places now that it's about to get nice and DC in the summer oh, yeah. hot where you can swim. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I cannot, I'm not one for the summer, the summer heat here. Um, so I spent a lot of time at these pools. Uh, we've kind of rounded up what we think are the, mm, the best public pools that you can go to in the city. Um, unfortunately the Wilson pool, which is one of my favorites is closed. Uh, however, the Francis pool in the West end is reopening so we're ta- this is a, a just so yeah. people know, we're talking about a public swimming pool run by the D.C. Parks Department. Yep. Totally, totally free. Go whenever you want. All right, is that indoors? These or are all outdoors. Good, because who wants to go swimming indoors in the summer? True. So we've got the Francis Pool, which is in the West End. This is great because if you want to do like laps, it has like 21 lap lanes. It's huge. Great for actual swimming. But what if you don't want to do laps? Are you going to look like a jerk? If you don't want to do laps, if you just want to like lounge, I think the best one is the Volta Park pool. It's in Georgetown. It's very small. It has like a lot of shade, a lot of trees, but it gets very crowded. So you do want to get there earlier in the day if you want to snag a spot or consider bringing your own chair. Here's the thing. I can attest to the Volta Park pool because right next to the pool are tennis courts where I play typically with a friend. We'll hit a ball around for like an hour and a half or something. And when you're dripping in sweat, and you're gross, and you've had it, there is nothing more refreshing than after you're just drenched to dip your head into the Volta Park pool. Is it gross? Have I made it gross for everyone else? Maybe. I'm sorry. Yeah, That's Julie, gross. You're not, you're not doing <laughs> yeah. a lot to motivate me right now. To But it is really refreshing. Oh, Every time that I've gone, at least on a weekday, it's really nice. It's very refreshing. It's kind of centrally located, at least to me. Big fan of the Volta Park pool. All right, where's the Banneker pool? 
So the Banneker Pool is on Georgia Ave. It's close to the Shaw Metro Station, so very accessible. And this is another one that's good for lounging. They have like this massive pool deck so that you can just like bring a chair, a book, hang out. And they also have like a ramped entries for those of us who don't like, you know, diving in headfirst. Um, you can kind of tiptoe your way in if that's appealing. Wait, people also will like, can buy, you know, either a day membership or a summer membership to like a hotel pool. So one of my friends lives uh, in the condo building across the way from the Omni Shoreham. And I know they have, I believe it's monthly passes. They are on the more expensive side, obviously, because it is a hotel, but they have lap lanes. So if that is your thing and you live in the Adams Morgan area, maybe that's your go-to. Yeah, I think that there's there's a bunch of those options. And then you can also like order a drink and, and really feel like you're uh, you're living large. Oh, yeah. You are living large. You're paying, you're paying to live large. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right, so we've got our tip of the day. It's courtesy of our guest, Morgan Baskin, from earlier this week. She is WAMU's housing reporter. She joined us to talk about why it is that D.C.'s public housing agency is the worst in the country. But the point is, she knows D.C. housing, and she highly recommends, if you are a renter in D.C., you should check out the D.C. Superior Court website for your property manager or your landlord. You can search for business entities like their company or their name. She says it can give you a good insight into how they deal with their tenants, good and bad. We have the link in our show notes. Ooh, that is very nifty because my lease is coming up. Do I research my landlord? Maybe. Big time, maybe. And that is all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilve. Our producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Cote-Stemmerman. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Our production assistant is Susanna Brown. And our hosts are Bridget Todd and me, Michael Schaefer from Politico. Music is by Alex Roldan. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye.